Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. This week, the Catholic Church celebrates the solemnity of the ascension of our Lord, Jesus' ascension into heaven. It's celebrated on Thursday in some dioceses. Most dioceses around the country celebrate it on this upcoming Sunday. Uh, This is an important feast. It's so important. It's even one of the mysteries of the rosary, the second glorious mystery. But what is it really all about, and what difference does it make for my life? You know, I've heard of Catholic schools sometimes will teach the children about the ascension. They'll go out into the parking lot and they all get balloons and they let go of the balloons and the balloons go up in the air. Is that what the ascension's about? What what is this really all about? That's what we're going to look at in this week's podcast. So welcome to the All Things Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Edward Sree. You know, uh, so many groups around the country have been doing such a great job in this difficult time uh, where we're sheltering in place. We're not able to go to faith formation conferences and events at the parish, small groups. And I'm so thankful for the many different groups who've provided many things online. There have been a number of online conferences recently. I was involved in the TOB conference earlier this month, uh, put on by the TOB Institute, Theology of the Body Institute. And I want to tell you about one more conference coming up on the horizon in here, May 22nd to 24th. It's another one of these free virtual online conferences. It's called the Love Life Conference. It's put on by Jason and Kristalina Everett. They're putting a whole team of teachers, about 70 different presenters that you can choose from, all from your own home, at your own convenience, at your own time. Uh, People like Matt Fred, Jason and Kristalina themselves, Teresa Tamio, Trent Horn from Catholic Answers, and, and many, many other amazing speakers, all trying to unpack the, the church's wisdom on marriage today, uh, on sexuality, on dating relationships. We know just how much the culture uh, is is leading so many young people uh, and so many married couples astray, whether it's young single people that are feeling so much pain and heartache from what the secular world offers or married couples that, you know, they, they might be Catholic and they know that marriage is important, but they still struggle because of some of the, the wounds that our culture inflicts us with and, and that we, uh, the, the worldviews we bring into our marriages. And so the, this conference is meant to really help us hone in on the essence of love, whether we're single or whether we're married and it's all for free. So I just want to let you know about that. If you want to sign up, you can sign up for free. Uh, go to my Instagram account. And there you can go to the link in my bio. So just go to my bio, click on the link that's there in my Instagram account, or we'll put it in the show notes as well. Uh, A link for you to register for free for this conference coming up here, uh, May 22nd, 24th this weekend. So back to the Ascension here, you know, I want to bring you in on the biblical scene so that you understand kind of the, the, the background, what's going on in the Ascension and the events leading up to it. First of all, in Acts the Apostles, chapter one, is where we read about the Ascension. And it tells us that Jesus was with the apostles talking to them about the kingdom of God for 40 days after his resurrection. So he's with them for 40 days. And that's a significant number you may be aware of in the Bible. We all know about 40 days of Lent, but what would this signify for these original apostles? You know, it would bring to mind, of course, the 40 years 
of Israel in the, in the desert. Uh, think about this as a time of intense training for these apostles. I think that's what they would think about when they when they saw that, wow, it's 40 days with Jesus risen from the dead, and he's training us. We're t- he's talking about the kingdom of God, explaining things to us. Uh, for 40 days, they, they would see that as a time of intense training, just like Israel was going through 40 years in the desert on their way to the promised land, uh, just as Jesus himself went 40 days fast at the beginning of his public ministry, going into the desert for 40 days, and then he was led by the Spirit to to go out and start his public ministry. So now these apostles are going through their 40 days of intense training and preparation as they are about to be led by the Spirit at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit will come down upon them and they're going to go out and begin their mission. I think that's the closest parallel there is between Jesus's 40 days at the beginning of, of right before he launches in his public ministry, he spends 40 days in intense prayer and fasting. These apostles now are getting their 40 days of intense training formation with Jesus as he's talking to them about the kingdom of God, and then they're going to be led by the Spirit to go to the ends of the earth for their mission. Now, the apostles ask a question here. So it's day 40, and you know this is the climax of their training. And their question is this. It comes in Luke chapter 1, verse 6. They say to him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And you can understand where they're coming from. You know, what does this mean? The kingdom being restored to Israel. Uh, A little bit of background here. Uh, In the Old Testament, there were great hopes and expectations that one day the people of Israel would have a kingdom. You get get this in uh, an Genesis chapter 17 with some uh, promises that God makes to Abraham about kings coming forth from his line. Uh, In Exodus 19 verse 6 at Mount Sinai, God tells Israel that they're meant to become a kingdom of priests, that one day there'll be a great kingdom, but they'll have a priestly mission. A priest leads people in worship. They lead people to God, and Israel is called to lead the other nations, the other peoples to the one true God. And you get a glimpse of this kingdom as it starts growing in the time of David and Solomon. David is the the great king, and he's given these promises about an everlasting dynasty. And his son Solomon begins extending this kingdom to to great borders. In the time of David and Solomon, you're seeing many other nations coming uh, to David, and particularly to Solomon, to learn from the wisdom that Solomon has been given by God. So you get a glimpse of what this kingdom was really meant to do is to be a kingdom of priests, a kingdom reaching out to the other nations. But as you may know in the Old Testament story that many of the kings, including Solomon himself, while well, he started off really great, he, he didn't have a great ending. He fell into idolatry. He, he fell into great sin. He led the people astray. And many of his descendants, his heirs on the throne, also were corrupt, leading the people astray. And eventually the kingdom was destroyed. God came in judgment on the dynasty of David. Uh, and, and so many generations later in 586 BC, so about almost six centuries before Christ, a foreign nation, Babylon, comes and destroys the kingdom, destroys Jerusalem and the temple and carries the people off into slavery. And even though the Israelites come back to the land around 515 BC and they rebuild the city and they rebuild the temple, it's not the same. They don't have their own kingdom. They're still underneath these various foreign rulers, whether it's Babylon or Assyria or the Greek empire or in in the time of Jesus, it's Rome. But the prophets foretold 
the prophets foretold that one day the kingdom would be restored, that a new David would come, a new son of David would sit on the throne and rule over Israel. And this this kingdom would be so glorious, it would extend its borders, its reign to the ends of the earth. And, and all the nations would come and, and worship the one true God through this kingdom. And so there, there were these various prophetic hopes that the Jewish people had about the coming of some future son of David. They called him the Messiah, the Hebrew word for the anointed one, referring to the anointed king. And we know Jesus is the fulfillment of those prophecies. He's the one that, that is the Messiah. He's restoring the kingdom. And they're wondering, is this the time? Is this when it's going to happen? You know, they're all excited. You know, here Jesus has died. He's risen from the dead. He's been with them for 40 days, talking all about the kingdom. And on day 40, the apostles are turned into Jesus and saying, all right, is it the time? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? And then Jesus gives this strange answer. He says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father is fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then he's taken up to heaven on a cloud. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa what happened, Jesus? Isn't this the time? How, how come you didn't answer our question? Wait, 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 Jesus, come back down. You can imagine Peter, you know, come down from the cloud. Wait, wait. And John saying, hey, wait, wait, okay, get close here. We, wait. You didn't answer our question. Is this the time for the kingdom to be restored to Israel? Jesus seems to avoid the question and then he disappears. <laughs> what is this really all about? Is Jesus avoiding the question? You know, I think he's answering the question quite directly. If you know the Old Testament background, you know the Jewish people's hopes. I think this, these words that you find in Acts the Apostles chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, his answer to their question is really an answer. Uh, it's a beautiful answer. It's kind of like this. Uh, when he says, you know, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, he is answering their question, the kingdom. Will the kingdom be restored? It'd be kind of like this, you know, I, uh, the Super Bowl for next year in 20, uh, February, 2021 is, is scheduled to be in Tampa, Florida. Uh, so let's just say there was, um, a football team. I'll just take my team that I grew up with the Chicago bears. They, they won the Super Bowl in 85. It was awesome. I was there. It was an amazing event. Um, and then it's been a lot of suffering ever since, but, uh, Let's just say the the Chicago Bears at the beginning of preseason, and who knows if the NFL is all going to happen, you know. But let's just hope it does. And uh, but imagine if all the players at the beginning, you know, right before the season starts, they're with the coach, and the coach is giving his pep talk, and then one of the players, or maybe all the players, say, "Coach, do, do we do we? What are our chances for winning this year? What, what do you think? How, how well are we going to do, Coach?" And imagine if the coach says, "You know what? We're going to take the division." And then we're going to win the first playoff game. And then we're going to win the conference, the NFC conference championship. And then we will go to Tampa and win. Now, if you didn't know that the Super Bowl was being played in Tampa, you know, that might not make as much sense. You might, you it sense to, you might just think, oh, the Bears are going to go down and beat the Buccaneers with Tom Brady. Wow, that'll be, that's, which would be pretty, pretty cool if they actually did that. Uh, but you wouldn't see the full significance. But if you understand that, no, Tampa, that's where the Super Bowl is going to be played. And the coach is basically saying, you're going to win the Super Bowl. He answers their question. <laughs> you know, well, that, that's what Jesus is doing here. Jesus, you know, the, the apostles go to Jesus. Is it kingdom time? 
Is it time for the kingdom to be restored to Israel, that glorious kingdom of David that's, that was called by God to extend its, its reign and, 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 and to all the ends of the earth and lead all nations to worship the one true God? Is that time, Jesus? Is that time now? And then Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now, you may not know what's, what are all these places, but I want you to think of just in your head, just picture Jerusalem and, and picture a dot on a map. Jerusalem is the, the, the capital city and it's the center of, of Judea. Judea, think of it as the, the province or the state, you know, and so Jerusalem's the dot and you got this little area around that's called Judea. Jerusalem is in Judea, the southern part of, the, of, of where the people of Israel live in the time of Jesus. And then imagine above, like just north of Jerusalem or north of Judea is another region called Samaria where the Samaritans dwell. And then you have the ends of the earth. So you can picture almost like concentric circles. You got the dot Jerusalem, you got Judea is the first circle. The next circle out is, is Samaria. And then you go to the ends of the earth. Um, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, yes, it's kingdom time. It is kingdom time. And guess what? You are going to be the heralds of this kingdom. You are going to be the ones to extend this kingdom from Jerusalem, then out to Judea, the region around Jerusalem, and then north of Judea up into Samaria, and the Samaritans will, will, will be evangelized. And then we're going to go all the way to the ends of the earth. That's what the apostles will do. In fact, here's the, here's the really cool thing, is that in, in Acts the Apostles, these four places that Jesus mentions, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, they really serve as the itinerary. It's the actual itinerary that the apostles themselves are going to travel. It's like a table of contents for the rest of the book known as Acts the Apostles. So here in Acts 1, Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And guess what happens? The next several chapters, chapters 2 through 7, is all about the apostles proclaiming the gospel in Jerusalem, the dot, the first stage. Uh, so chapter two through seven is Pentecost and the apostles proclaiming Jesus Christ, evangelizing thousands of people becoming Christian there in Jerusalem. But at the end of chapter seven, we have this tragic event of the martyrdom of Stephen, the first martyr. And, and Stephen's martyrdom uh, sets off a wave of, of great persecution in the area. And so perse the, the Jews are persecuting the Christians there in Jerusalem. And so many of the Christians have to flee. And where do they go? They, they go outside of Jerusalem. They go to Judea, or the surrounding area around Jerusalem, and they go north up even into Samaria. And when they go to Judea and Samaria, what are they doing? They're proclaiming the gospel. They're announcing the kingdom. That happens in Acts chapters 8 through 12. So you can read about that, particularly in chapter 8. You see that they start spreading around to Judea and to Samaria. And then after the conversion of St. Paul, we read about his conversion, and then we see him embark upon his great missionary work. Chapters 13, all the way to the end of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 28, is all about St. Paul's various missionary journeys all around the Mediterranean world from Asia Minor, where present-day Turkey is, and into Greece. And ultimately, in chapter 28, Paul goes all the way to Rome and proclaims the kingdom in the city of Rome, the heart of of the Roman Empire. So when Jesus answers their question, is it kingdom time? Is it time for the kingdom to be restored? And he says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. He's answering the question spot on. Yes, it is kingdom time. It's time for the kingdom to be extended to the ends of the earth. 
And guess what, my, my apostles, you are going to be my heralds of this kingdom. You are my missionaries to extend this kingdom to the ends of the earth. Now, at the end of this scene, the cloud takes Jesus up, but he's taken out of their sight. And that image of the cloud is important. You read about that in chapter one, verse nine of Acts, the cloud symbolizes God's presence. You may recall the pillar of cloud guiding the people of Israel through the desert those 40 years. You may recall the cloud that overshadows the, 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 the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant where God's holy presence dwells. Or you may recall how the, the Holy Spirit overshadows Mary or the cloud overshadows the, the Mount of the Transfiguration when Jesus was transfigured. So it's symbolizing God's presence. And so we see the cloud taking Jesus up to heaven. But I think what's really in the background is the prophecy of Daniel 7, that the Son of Man, this great prophecy that there was this figure that would come in the future, the Son of Man who would come with the clouds of heaven, and he was going to be given dominion and glory and kingdom, and all peoples and nations are going to serve him. He's going to have an everlasting dominion. You see, the, the whole story of Jesus' ascension is so powerful when you know the Old Testament background. Daniel chapter 7 is coming to fulfillment. The prophecy about the son of man who's given a kingdom that will rule over all peoples, all nations. That's another way we see Jesus answering the apostles' question. He answers their question. Is it kingdom time? Yes, you're going to go to the ends of the earth and be my heralds of the kingdom. And guess what? Boom, here I am taken away in the cloud. Just as Daniel 7 foretold, the son of man would come with the clouds of heaven and all nations would come to serve him. It is kingdom time indeed. So both in Jesus's words and in his action of the ascension, his words about the apostles going to the ends of the earth and the cloud coming to, 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 as he's ascending in the cloud, both of these, the words and his actions symbolize the answer to the question that it is indeed kingdom time. The apostles will take the kingdom to the ends of the earth and the cloud symbolizes the fulfillment of Daniel 7, the son of man getting the everlasting dominion reigning over all peoples. So in closing, a couple takeaways here for you. I think the Feast of the Ascension reminds us every year of two things. One, it's our own important mission as disciples. Uh, it's uh, the apostles were given this great call to go out to the ends of the earth. And we are, are walking in their footsteps. We share in, in that mission as baptized Christians. All of us are called to be witnesses to the gospel. So whether you are someone that works full time in the Catholic church, or maybe you just volunteer, maybe you lead a Bible study, and maybe you're just uh, uh, you're full time you know, in a secular career, but you can be a witness to the gospel in your office place with your friends. Maybe you're a mom at home raising little children and you're called to bring the kingdom of God there. All of us, though, have an important role to share the faith, to lead others closer to Christ in our words and in our actions. The second thing is to remember that Jesus is the true king. Mark's gospel, in fact, tells us in Mark 16, verse 19, Jesus goes and ascends to the right hand of God. That's the position of authority. And so on the Feast of the Ascension coming up here, it's a great time for us to remember Jesus Christ is the King of the universe. He really reigns. He's in the position of authority at the right hand of the Father. And he's going to come to judge the living and the dead. I mean, he really is the King. Do you accept him as King in your life? Do you really allow Jesus to reign in your life, in your heart, in your home, with all your choices, your thoughts, 
Do you really surrender your entire life to Jesus and allow him to guide your life? That's what the Feast of the Ascension is calling all of us to do, to remember his sovereignty, his kingship. Jesus is ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I hope this has been interesting for you here to get ready for this great feast of the Ascension. I hope this will help you every time pray the second glorious mystery of the rosary. Uh, Don't forget that conference I mentioned to you as well. Again, you're looking for other just free resources to help you. The Love Life Virtual Conference coming up here May 22nd to 24th. Anybody around the world can participate here from 70 different speakers. It's incredible. And you can pick which ones you watch. You can watch it from your own home. You could watch it on your own time. Uh, Check out that conference. You can go to my Instagram account and click on the link in bio or go to the show notes and you can find the link there as well to register for this free online conference this weekend. Thanks so much for listening. And again, if you want the show notes, by the way, um, go to ascensionpress.com slash allthingscatholic. My good friends at Ascension are the ones who help produce this this, uh, program and get it out to the world. So I thank them and and go check that out, ascensionpress.com slash allthingscatholic for the show notes. Thanks so much and God bless. 